I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn on the Jets podcast. Three, two, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaul11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest, I think maybe the third time on the pod now. We'll get a, you know, got to see each other in uh, in person a couple nights ago. Rich Tamini of ESPN. Rich, how are you doing today? Great, Will. It was great seeing you the other night. And uh, we had our Tums uh, share, our <laughs> little Tums exposure. And it's good to be with you on the podcast. Yeah, we should have worn our, our Tums chains, the, uh, the giveaways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you yeah, know, obviously a lot going on in the Jets world right now. It's kind of a quiet time in, in a little bit of a sense of this these couple weeks between the Super Bowl and uh, between the conference title games and the Super Bowl. We always get a lot of leaks, a lot of rumors. You know, it felt like it was... <clears throat> It was Jets week, uh, Jets Aaron Rodgers week two weeks ago. This week was all Jets in Vegas, I mean, all Vegas and Rodgers. Then Carr, the Carr stuff towards the end of the week. I guess let's start quarterback and then we'll go from there. Obviously, Rodgers the biggest name. Then there's the Carr, Jimmy, Tannehill. You could go on and on. You know, it starts to get really, really dicey as you go on. Yeah. Where are you at, sure. I guess, overall in the quarterback position? And, uh, and then we can kind of go from there. Well, I think, you know, Carr will be the first domino to fall. And, uh, you know, I don't think the Jets are going to get him. I think he'll probably end up in New Orleans, which seems like the perfect match, or even a place like Indianapolis or or Atlanta. But uh, New Orleans, obvious connection with the coach. I think from the people I've talked to that know Derek Carr, thinks he's not really a New York kind of guy and would shy away from the New York market. So New Orleans makes a lot of sense. So that'll be the first domino. And then we're, you know, we're waiting for Rodgers to emerge from the darkness, quite quite literally. And, you know, that one's hard to predict. I mean, he's Aaron Rodgers. He's very mercurial uh, on and off the field. And uh, he could retire. I mean, maybe maybe all this stuff with Jet fans wishing for Aaron Rodgers is going to be for naught. The guy could just emerge from the darkness and say, that's it. I'm done. I think he'll play personally. Um, I still think there's a chance he goes back to Green Bay. I don't we think we can over rule that out. And yes, I, I think the Jets have a have a significant interest in Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think they're uh yes, I absolutely think they do. There's a lot of hurdles to clear to get there, but I do think they're interested. Yeah, look, I think the thing with Rodgers is there's so many parts to it. I think we forget like I think in a perfect world, the Packers either 
you know, they want to know. I mean, they talked about it last night publicly. Again, take everything with a grain of salt you hear publicly right now from these guys. But, you know, it just – Woody skates around every Rogers question, as he should. You know, he's not trying to get charged with tampering. But, you know, between people that have been on my podcast, players, your podcast, you know, any, <clears throat> any Jets podcast or any public appearance from Sauce or Garrett Wilson or any of these offensive guys, it's like – it's a lot of Aaron Rodgers talking. They're not shying away from it. I know Saul sometimes says he's trolling, but you know, I, you you know, you can always say you're trolling so many times when we know what you're right. kind of trying to do there. Um, I, I think Rodgers plays in in 2023, and I, I think he might play honestly in 2024. I feel like he's a guy that he likes the attention a little bit of mm-hmm. everyone. You know, you covered Brett Favre, obviously, very different personalities, but oh, sure. they like the, they like the attention of everyone talking about them for three months and what are they going to do and speculating. I think the Packers would like a look at Jordan Love. I think it's the right move. They're going to eat a lot of money no matter what. Um, at some point in this contract, I guess it's better to get out from under it if, you know, they can now. And the Jets, you know, are not, you know, I heard it on, you know, Peter Schrager talked about it. He's like, the Jets have had every opportunity to be like, oh, you know, we're not interested in Rodgers or he's on another team. It's like, they're kind of just letting everyone talk about it. And usually yeah. there's a little too much quietness. Usually that means something else is going on behind the scenes. I agree on Carr. I heard, I just... I know everyone hates the, oh, they can't handle New York. It's not just the media or it's not just the fan base or it's not just the paper. Like there's so much in New York that I think sometimes people forget, like this is a very intense fan base on top of a very intense media market on top of intense. And there's just a lot. And I don't know if Carr goes up to New England, throws two interceptions and starts getting a little upset on the podium. It's going to be, he's going to get destroyed in New York. It's just the way it, it works. Yeah, and I don't know how much of an upgrade. I mean, yeah, obviously he's an upgrade. The Jets quarterbacking, I think they were ranked 29th in QBR. So obviously it's they need to upgrade. And Carr is probably somewhere in the middle of the pack and the starting quarterbacks in the league. But, I mean, to pay $35 you know, million a year, maybe more for Derek Carr, I mean, I'm like, to Jet fans, like, relax a little bit here. Uh, the guy, he's never been in a playoff game. Um, I read this stat the other day. It was time to take it aback. His record against teams that made the playoffs is something like 16 and 40. Uh, so he's not been a good, he's not a good cold weather quarterback. We've seen all those stats. You know, he's terrible when it's under 40 degrees. Hello, New York is, it gets cold. He'll probably have to play, you know, anywhere from four to three, four, five, six games in, in cold weather. So and then there's the, the the size of the media market, which I don't think thrills him. And, and I don't think the Jets are fans are going to miss a whole lot. I, I I go on social media and I see Jet fans saying, "Oh, we got to get Carr. Forget about Rodgers." Man, Carr's average. You know, he's he's average. Could he get you to ten wins? Probably. He's never played with a good defense, so you have that benefit. But oh, man, I'm just I'm just not on the. If I'd rather spend less money and take my chances with Garoppolo and re-sign Mike White and go with the Garoppolo-White tandem, then put all my eggs in the car basket. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I think we also do this thing where, you know, oh, Derek Carr is so cheap. You know, the Raiders want a third-round pick, which on you know we saw the Jets last year. They either have used – Joe Douglas has traded up and used a lot of those third-round picks to get Brees Hall, ABT, Jermaine Johnson, those type of guys – but also those guys have come in and played right away. So yeah. you're giving up a guy that potentially could play for you next year for Derek Carr. And then on top of it, paying him 40, you know, this contract, the Raiders did this contract to kind of get out of Derek Carr, knowing if he didn't show anything. And I think there was a report from Albert Breer that after three or four weeks, Josh McDaniels was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm good on, I'm good on Derek Carr. Hmm. I don't know. I just think, you know, this isn't a four-time MVP where it's like, 
you know, we want to kind of get a look at a first round rookie that the Raiders roster, you know, there's playing Jared Stidham right now. They might, there's no guarantee they'll get Jimmy G. There's no guarantee Brady was going to go there. They were just like, we're good. And, um, you know, I, I'm on the same page. You, I, I'd rather take my chances. These are the guys I kind of wanted to hit on because I think Rogers, I, I go all in for, he's a four-time former MVP. He gives you a ceiling that you feel like if you go into Buffalo, you go into new England, you go into Miami next year, you feel really good about your quarterback versus anybody in the division. Pretty much anybody, any of the Mahomes, maybe Burrow, you feel like you might have the better quarterback going into every single game next year. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good feeling. The Jets have not really had that. Um, the Tannehill Jimmy G side of things is interesting because I think Tannehill is a, an interesting name. Like it, it doesn't really excite you, but he has won some playoff games. He's you know he beat Lamar Jackson. He's you know they were winning in the first half against Mahomes. So is he a name that kind of is maybe a better option at that twenty twenty five million dollar a year range. I feel like that a, a car at forty is just I don't know. It's another starter. Yeah, a little old. Tannehill a little older than Jimmy G. Um, you know he's probably a one year band aid. Uh, can be very effective in a play action heavy offense. Which and you know he has some. This offense that the Jets are going to run is part of the the family that of offenses that he's been familiar with. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tannehill wouldn't be terrible. Um, you know, would Tennessee cut him? Uh, I don't know. They're saying they don't want to cut him, but you know how that goes, you know, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, Jimmy G it's the durability factor. I think he's, he's a good game manager. He's won games. He's been in big games. Um, I think you could really do worse than Jimmy G and, you know, you can get him for 20 to 25 million. I, I personally would resign Mike White. Uh, to be my backup in that scenario because, man, I, I don't know what Zach Wilson – I mean, if he's your backup and Jimmy G goes down in the first week of the season, then you're back to square one. You're back with Zach Wilson as your starting quarterback. And I think the Jets, every word that comes out of their mouths, even Woody Johnson Thursday night on the red carpet at the NFL Honors, the way he talks, it's just like they, they're they so done with Zach Wilson, but yet they don't want to cut the cord because they don't want to admit the failure. Yeah, I, I think – It'll be interesting to see. You'll know. I mean, look, everything that's come out, the amount of leaks that have come out, we've seen, you know, the Michael Floor side. We've seen Zach Wilson's camp kind of come out and say Zach had all these injuries that weirdly weren't documented at all all year, which that always, this always happens. There's always this, you know, everyone wants to blame somebody else for their problems. I just have a hard time believing. The one thing with Jimmy G, and you mentioned it there, if Jimmy G was durable, he's the whole, he's a no-brainer. The Jets are going yeah. to sign him whatever. And, you know, I do think, you know, if you had Jimmy G and Mike White or you had Jimmy G and Minshew as your backup, or you take a, you know, a rookie in the second or third round or whatever it is, you feel pretty good about where you're at. If it's Jimmy G and Zach, I don't know when you lose a locker yeah. room like that, it's, I, you know, I just, you've, you've seen it too many times. It's, it's just, it's just hard to come back from it. It is. These guys know you too well. Yeah. I mean, Zach, uh, it's going to be hard to come back from what he went through last year, but Players can forgive and forget if they see that the guy is is producing on the field. I mean, if Zach Wilson goes in there in the preseason and lights it up and is a different player, the players know right away. I mean, they can figure it out very quickly, like, hey, okay, this dude means business. It's like when Quentin Williams came to training camp this past summer, guys recognized right away, this guy, he, he's serious. This is going to be his year. So players – can tell and I mean they'd be willing to live with Zach if as their starter if 
if he produced. It's a production business. They'd be willing to put aside all the other stuff, the stuff that went wrong in the past, the lack of accountability, some of the immature behavior. I think they'd be willing to look past that if he produces. But let's face it, he's he he has not produced uh, at historically low levels. I mean, it's it's frightening, and it blows my mind. And I know it's true. But when Woody Johnson comes out on the red carpet and says quarterback is the weakness of the team, he's right. But it blows my mind. It's like, here we are only two years after using the second pick on the quarterback, you know, and it cost you, by the way, $35 million. It, it is just, I shake my head every time I hear the words come out of their mouth about Zach Wilson. Yeah. Look, the, uh, the offset language we, we joked about at the time, back-to-back quarterbacks that have problems with it were gone and the Jets actually needed to put that in place. They might, you know, they might need the, uh, the offset language to be in place with Zach Wilson where sauce and Garrett Wilson didn't have that problem. So you know, maybe that's why they ended up being good. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. Now I do. I do think the jets are are being earnest in, in saying that they want to try to keep Zach and try to develop him. Um, but I think deep down, they know he's never going to be their starter. I think they're trying to develop him into a tradable commodity. You know, I think bring him into the preseason Give them some. Hey, if they're in the Hall of Fame game, they're going to have a lot of they're going to have extra reps that have that extra game. That's the Zach Wilson game. You know, if he goes out there and plays really well in the preseason, his trade value will go up a little because right now there there really is not much trade value at all. And then I could see something happening. Uh, but right now, there's not many options for them. Yeah, no, I think, look, you want to move them to like a, you hope you get a day two pick at some point down the line, whether some team gets desperate and some guy gets an Aaron Boone, you know, basketball day, injury and something. Day two, you know, that would yeah. be, uh, that yeah, would be a Joe Douglas steal if he could get a day two pick. Right now, I think it's more like a sixth round pick. <laughs> yeah, but no. We'll see what happens. Hey, you got a, I love Blake Cashman, friend of the show, but, you know, got a sixth round pick for Blake Cashman who played about six games in three years, so. You never know with Joe. I guess uh, I don't know what he says to people on the phone, but um, obviously there's a lot of different decisions on this roster. There's a lot of ones that maybe seem obvious, but then if you really look at it, you know, I've said this is a PSA. I'll say this every single time I ask questions about cuts. When you cut somebody, you have to replace them. And not everyone costs $300,000. Most of these guys do cost a lot of money. I want to start with Carl Lawson from, for two reasons. One, I think he probably had a, crazier year in terms of everything that went on i know connor hughes had the story on it he had like the re-injured the achilles right and he had a productive year but i've had other people on the show ben fennel mentioned he's like carl lawson is probably their fourth or fifth most important defensive lineman in total right now if like you know going forward of guys that are the most effective and he's making 15 million dollars a year it's just a really difficult conversation to have because i know he's really loved by the staff and by the players in the locker room yeah, that's a tough one. That, that is a really – I go back and forth on that one. I think ultimately – I mean, it depends what they do in the draft. I mean, I don't think they're going to cut him like on March 12th or something like that to get under the cap. I think it would be, you know, if they do draft someone, you know, the other fact that Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens, you know, you draft those guys. They got a little bit of playing time last year. The whole idea is to, you know, elevate them, give them more playing time this year. You know, Salah, we know, likes four defensive ends. He's going to rotate four guys every game. I think they have Bryce Huff. You know, they'll bring him back. He's restricted, but, you know, they'll obviously bring him back. And so, uh, you know, have JFM. He's not going to get cut. I've seen some people speculate on that. You know, they owe him too much guaranteed money. So you have him back. Lawson, 51 pressures, seven sacks. You look at that and you say, you know, that's decent. That's okay production. Is it $15 million a year production? Probably not. 
Um, but if he got cut, I think he'd get scooped up pretty quickly. If you put out a 27-year-old pass rusher out on the market who can get you seven, eight, maybe nine sacks, he's going to get picked up pretty quickly. So my gut is that he's probably on the team right now. That's the way I, I, I sense it going. Um, but it depends on other things. Are they going to need money for an Aaron Rodgers or, or something like that? So a lot of interconnected things, but that's a, that's the toughest call to me is Carl Lawson. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see something where it's like a, a bit of a mini restructure or an extension that's really just like – I did that. Remember they did with Crowder two years ago, where it's like, "Hey, we like you, but we're not going to." Well, that pay was a pay cut. That, that was, was just a pay cut. Yeah, that was a pure pay cut. Yeah. So they could, you know, with the restructure, you know, Carl's in his last year, so you have to extend. And I, I don't think the Jets are. I don't know if they want to invest more money in a guy who's coming off the Achilles and had, you know, like an okay year. Um, sure, they might ask him to take a pay cut. You know, they yeah. could they could do that. You know, and see if he says no, then then you got to cut him. Yeah. Uh, so it's, but he has a little more leverage than Jamison Crowder did because Crowder wouldn't have gotten well. You know, we saw what he got. He didn't get much when he got out there. Eventually, uh, Lawson would get a deal, I think. So that's why that's why my gut is like on any other team, I think they cut him. But the Jets like defensive ends so much that I think right now he stays. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page. I think he'll be here, but I think if you could figure out a way to get him at like $10 million a year, whether it's like, you know, he's two for 20 and this year's fully guaranteed and they figure out a way to like entice it for him, Carl Lawson, $10 million a year is a much, much more valuable and nicer player yeah. than at 15. Corey Davis is the one um, that another guy I really well liked. I know he's done some nice things when he's been on the field. Unfortunately, he hasn't really been on the field that much and, doesn't get open versus man coverage super well. There's the drops and the penalties. I just 13 million or whatever it is a year. It feels like a guy that you could replace in the draft or you replace with a, a bit, a bit of a more, you know, economically uh, feasible option because Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore should take that next step. Right. I, I just, yeah. it's hard to imagine Corey at that number on this roster. Yeah. I mean, he's a good guy. He is well liked, but I mean, he's missed, I think, He's only played like 22 out of 34 games or something like that. And, you know, his stats for two years are basically what you would expect him to get for one year. I think he's barely over a thousand yards for two years. Uh, I know the Jets were really happy with that contract, even after a year. I mean, they felt that they did not overpay and they still had him at a good value uh, because there were rumors last offseason that, you know, that they were going to trade him. And, and the Jets were like, you know, they were really happy with Corey and that contract. But now, he has not lived up to that contract and that's an easy 10 and a half million you can get back right away by cutting him. And, and I do think that will be the, the way they go. Yeah. I look at, and you look at a couple of the other guys that are either free agents or the bigger contracts. I'll just hit the three guys that everyone commonly on uh, Jets, Twitter, no offense, loves to restructure these guys. And I think I don't see them restructuring Lake and Tomlinson and Jordan Whitehead a year into their contract and then just adding years and void years. It just feels like, yes, the Lincoln number is, is bigger than maybe people, um, you know, would like to see. He didn't have as good of a year as I think everyone's expecting, but I'm not sure that Connor McGovern's as good as people think he is. And I think left tackle is obviously a huge issue this year with there's moving pieces and Dwayne, like there was just a lot there for Lincoln. CJ Mosley's number probably has to get reduced at some level. Okay. He's I don't at 21 million, I think, right. If I'm not mistaken. And then, 21 and a half, yeah, yeah. And then Whitehead's like at about 10, yeah, but I also don't think he had quite as bad of a year. He had a couple of plays that you wish you had back. The Bengals won, and and the Patriots game specifically. But 
overall, I mean, he had a pretty productive year considering the other spot next to him wasn't exactly uh, pristine. Yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, what was the first one we talked about? Lake, Lake Tomlinson. Yeah, Tomlinson. Tomlinson's going to be their new Mosley, I think. He's going to be like the, the, the really bloated contract number that they're just going to have to live with because – He's what is he? Thirty-one years old now. Yeah, he's turned thirty-one yesterday, I believe. Turned thirty-one. I mean, you really don't want to be extending thirty-one-year-old guys. I mean, you really don't want to do that. Uh, looks like they overpaid for him. I thought he was he was okay last year. I think you can get by with a Lake and Tomlinson if you surround him with better players. You know, if Lake and Tomlinson's your best lineman, then you probably got problems. But I think the Jets hope to be better around him, and they could get by with him. So I think he'll be on the team. The 17 million is really tough to swallow, but I think they're going to have to do it. Um, Mosley, they absolutely have to restructure that contract. I mean, that's 21 and a half million. It's the highest in the league for a 4-3 middle linebacker. Uh, that contract, he reset the market when he signed that deal a few years ago, and and the Jets made it worse last year. They needed the cap room. Going into the year, they needed some cap room, so they restructured. And then all you're doing is kicking the can down the road, and well, they're down the road now, and it's it's a massive number. Uh, I think he's it's basically a two-year, thirty-four million dollar contract right now. None of it is guaranteed, so I think they can restructure that by giving him uh, a signing bonus. And uh, they they love CJ; they want to have him back. He's the quarterback of their defense, so I think they'll be able to find a way to do that. And uh, White Whitehead, I don't know. I, to me, he he doesn't. There's no bang for the buck there. I mean, he's okay as a safety. I think he's a good six million dollar safety, something like that. But at ten million dollars, they could save seven, seven and a half by releasing him. I would I would release him and and just go out and get another safety. They got the kid from Illinois last year showed a lot of promise. Adams, Tony Adams, they like him a lot. Ashton Davis is is just, you know, he'll be gone soon. And uh, they're going to have to go out and find another safety. Wouldn't be shocking if they draft one in the second or third round. Yeah, Tony Adams, I know they like every Any DB coach you talk to at the Jets is like, Tony Adams. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, they like it. Tony. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they got Will Parks. But he's just a backup. But, yeah, they, they need to make a, a significant move at safety. It was clearly the weak spot of their defense. Yeah, I think you mentioned, you know, the Mosley contract. It's just – Mosley, I think if he was making less money, Jets fans would love CJ Mosley even more than I think people realize. I just think they see the number and they expect maybe CJ Mosley to be Fred Warner or Luke Keekley. And like, yeah, he's just he didn't play football for two years. And it's, you know, he was, much, I thought he was much better though this year, generally speaking, than he was a year ago. I thought, you know, the first year back, he asked him to do a lot. He plays Quincy Williams, is a nice player. Um, he does a lot of boom or bust stuff. And when he doesn't know what he's doing or misses a hole, it, it gets ugly. Um, and CJ cleans up a lot of that. You mentioned Whitehead, you know, safety position, obviously, you know, is a, is a point of contention. The other name I forgot to mention, and I know Braxton Barrios, name maybe doesn't come to first to mind. He makes a lot of, he's gonna make a lot of money this year for a guy yeah. that wasn't that great last year. And by wasn't that great. I mean, he was really underwhelming considering what he was the year prior. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A year ago, that's what we were talking about, is like, are the Jets going to re-sign Braxton Berrios? You know, he was such a popular guy. He makes all pro as a kick returner. Um, made some plays on offense, had his best year at the right time. And, you know, it's all about timing. And he, he got two years, $12 million. And this year, I think his cap number is like eight something. So they can clear $5 million by releasing him. Uh, I, I think there's mutual interest in, in keeping him, but not at that number. I mean, you can't pay your fourth receiver and, and a return guy uh, an $8 million cap number. It's just It's just not practical, especially with the situation the Jets are in. But I think there might be some motivation to get a deal reworked there. Uh, that would that would be a pay cut unless, unless they extend him. But uh, I, I think they might be able to work some bookkeeping magic to keep him around. Yeah, the other – I just want to hit on one couple other guys um, here quickly. I think Sheldon Rankins will be back. I know you detailed, I believe, de- defensive tackle uh, this morning or yesterday. You talked to him. He wants to be here. It's obviously all about the money. I think if you kind of gave Sheldon Rankins the contract he gave him two years ago, which is a pretty team-friendly deal, he's probably a five or six million dollar a year player, and that's what he, you know, he got. Um, I think you see him back. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen day one of free agency or whatever it is, but I, th- I think you see him back. Maybe he touched the market. The two interesting names are, are Quan Alexander is an interesting one, just because I feel like he played probably more and stayed healthy last year, and I just don't think the Jets can pay. Quan more than they paid him really this year and Quincy and CJ Mosley. Um, and then just the group of the 2020 draft class, I feel like there's a lot of decisions that kind of be, need to be made this year. You kind of maybe need to start taking some, some losses on those guys and just saying, mm-hmm. can we get any value for, can we get a day three? Can someone take a day three pick for Denzel Mims? And, you know, we hope we draft a new punter or, uh, you know, back then I, I think you, I guess you keep him and hope that, he stays healthy and maybe all of a sudden your offensive line looks a lot better than it does, but you can't really rely on him as much as I'd love to, you know, I'd love to say he's such a talented kid and it seems like, you know, I think you had the report, you know, he changed agents and he's working out and living in the city, you know, living in the East coast now and all this stuff, but he hasn't played a home game in front of fans. <laughs> it's crazy. That That is a great point. I never, I didn't think of that. Good, good one there, Will. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the Jets are going to keep uh, Makai, there's really only upside to me in that situation because you can't really trade him for anything right now. The guy's missed two years. Uh, he's coming off a double knee surgery. So there's really no trade value. So if I'm the Jets, and I do believe this is the way they're thinking, you keep him. And if he's got one year left on his deal, based on everyone I've talked to, and by talking to Makai himself, he seems highly motivated. I think he's in a good place in his life. Uh, in New Jersey now, I know his young son is living with him full time. I, I know that's very important to him. So he seems to be in a really good headspace. He had lost 
when we spoke to him at the end of the year, he had just dropped 15 pounds in a couple of weeks. I think this new agency he's with, which is New York based. And I know some of those guys will be very good for him. So I keep Makai. I mean, worst case scenario, he's a backup, but we all have seen that you need good backups on the, on the offensive line. And if he clicks and starts playing like he did as early in his rookie year, wow, then that's like bonus to me. I mean, and, and he'll last year of his contract, you know, he'll be motivated. So I think that can only work out for the best for the Jets for holding on to Makai. Yeah, the, the rest of that class, you kind of just have to look. It hasn't worked. Um, the Bryce Hall, Braden Mann, uh, Davis, you know, uh, Mims, like just maybe just it's okay. Take the roster spots, develop, maybe try to develop somebody else. Yeah. <clears> I think Mims has a chance. I mean, Mims and LaFleur didn't hit it off. And so I think uh, Nathaniel Hackett will be a little bit more open to try to utilizing some of uh, Denzel's strengths that, you know, you want those bigger type receivers in a West Coast offense, especially if Corey Davis gets pushed out. You're going to need that that six foot three guy to play the Z spot. And um, Denzel, th- there is some untapped potential there. And I think he has matured a lot as well. So uh, last year of his contract, he's cheap. You know, to me, I'd keep him and see what we can get out of him. Yeah, if you can keep Barrios and Mims as the guys that filling in for people, that's probably the, the proper spot for right now. I want to ask you quickly about Hackett. Um, he obviously covered his dad and yeah. Uh is A, how does that make you feel? And B, do you think he's got a better chance to maybe not get run out of town quite uh quite as as much as everyone likes to remember um you know his dad being run out of town? Yeah, covered his dad. Uh I, I said this to Sala after they hired him. I'm gonna apologize ahead of time for for calling him Paul at some point. I know I'm gonna do that with Nathaniel. I did a radio interview recently and I referred to him as Paul and I caught myself. And so it's going to be, and and they are kind of similar. I mean, they kind of look alike and their mannerisms and they're both like high energy people. So it's very much, you know, the apple did not fall far from the tree. One thing about Paul Hackett, and I was critical of him back then, they did go to the playoffs three times with Paul Hackett as the offensive coordinator under Herm Edwards. So at times, I know people wanted to pull their hair out, but I will throw that out there. So this will be really interesting. Uh, I have very mixed feelings about this hire, and it's not because of his father. You know, that has nothing to do with it. Um, you know, he didn't do a good job last year. The offense was a joke at Denver. I mean, it was a league-wide joke. And if you look, you know, there's a lot of holes in his track record. Uh, you take out that one season in uh, Jacksonville, where he kind of caught lightning in a bottle with Blake Bortles and a really good defense. Other than that, his track record is really sketchy. Uh, He has not coached a Pro Bowl. He has not been the play caller for any Pro Bowl players in in like six years as a play caller. Nobody under him uh, made the Pro Bowl. No thousand-yard receivers. He did have a thousand-yard rusher that one year Fournette made it. Um, I'm not counting, of course, the Green Bay years where they had a ton of Pro Bowl guys, but he was not the play caller. So, yeah, really mixed, re- really mixed feelings about that one. I know why Sala did it. He wanted to get a guy that he knows. He wanted to get a guy that ran the same system as LaFleur because Sala knows he can't afford too many disruptions this year. He can't afford to go through a transition and a lot of growing pains because his butt's on the line this year. So I think he felt Hackett would, would make for the smoothest transition. Um, and I, I understand those reasons. I, I just wonder if, if he was, 
I just wonder about it. Let's just put it that way. I just wonder about it. <laughs> no, I'm on the same page here. I think it's a higher that they get Aaron Rodgers. You go great. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers is going to change half the plays of the line, anyways. They're going to just run less motion than they, you know, Rodgers talked about not loving is running as much motion. And, you know, he'll do a lot of this different stuff. He was really important. You know, the one thing about Hackett that I, I think the other than the Rodgers point, the only thing you can really point to that you'd say is the red zone stuff they did in Green Bay. They were the, they were the best red zone offense in the last 25 years in football. And he was apparently, you know, a huge part of that from anyone you ask in Green Bay. So again, I don't know how much of that's Rodgers and Devontae Adams, but it seems as though that the Jets obviously need help there, but you mentioned it. It's a little bit of quirkiness. Um, it just, he, I know he's had a lot of bad quarterbacks, but at the same time, part of your job as a coach is to develop those guys. And I know people had the gripe with the floor was the inexperience and all that stuff. You know, he's going to now go and be the, you know, the offensive coordinator in LA and everyone wanted this veteran guy, but this job was not appealing to be, getting the Frank Reichs of the world and whatever, right? Like, no, it's just, that was never going to happen. It's just, I think people were dreaming a little bit with that. And so that's, you end up with the Nathaniel Hackett's of the world. That's the, the market the Jets were shopping in, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think he'll be, he'll be, you know, he, he'll be okay. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He has a plan. He's been there before. He's done it before. And what I, he does have good relationships with his players, you know, from what I've understood, um, uh, <laughs> Not not a guy who who pisses off players, seems to get along with, you know, I don't know what the Russell Wilson deal was and how much of it was him, how much of it was Hackett, but uh, he does get along with players, so that's a good thing. His personality is a lot like Salah, you know, very upbeat, you know, very player-friendly. That's a good thing. So I think the Jets could go from, what were they, like 29th in offense or something like in scoring. You know, he could get them to the middle of the pack. I don't think they'll be great. You know, I don't think they're going to go to a top five or top 10 team. I think Hacken could get them back to to, to mid. Uh, I just don't know if he has the creativity or the innovation to get them higher. But I'm not sure. Maybe there wasn't a guy out there. You know, it was not a great list of candidates. I'm not sure that they there was a guy on that list. And clearly, Sala, with his own butt on the line, didn't want to take a chance on an unknown like he did with Michael Floor. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I that that process was interesting. The first time Daryl Bevel's name got floated, I texted a couple people that have you know that know him or been around, covered him. I was like, they're like, oh boy, uh, that's <laughs> not ideal. Um, so you know, I guess the the process started from there. It is interesting. One thing to note, and then we get into the Hall of Fame and, and stuff from last night. Uh, Marquand Manuel is getting getting a lot of interest. Um, he's now interviewed for multiple defensive coordinator jobs. I'd like to see Tony Oden get a couple interviews here. I, he's been a, he's been a fantastic developer of defensive backs and every single person, any player, Jets player, the first name out of their mouth, you know, obviously they love Salah and Ulbrich and these guys, but those DBs love Tony Owens. And it's, it's just interesting. Yeah. He hasn't gotten more love. I mean, the amount of all pros he's developed and pro bowlers just speaks for itself. So it's a, that's an yeah. interesting one. It kind of puzzles me a little bit. Yeah. I know the players always come, you know, mention his name when you talk about him and, and we've talked to Tony a bunch of times, you know, he is a good coach. I mean, DJ Reed and uh, what he's done with Sauce this year. Uh, I know Sauce would be heartbroken if if Tony Oden never left. Uh, but you know he and Sala go back a long ways, and uh, they have a real good relationship. Marquan, you know, is getting some action. You know that's what you want from your coach. You want to get, you want them to get out there and, and get their names known. And you know, but the Jets are. It's interesting uh, right now. I think they only have a couple of more spots open. They have a receivers coach, and. Uh, you know, I think I think Calabrese will stay as a quarterbacks coach. 
uh, unless unless Hackett just totally is is opposed to that, but I don't think he is. But they're going to hire like a a passing game coordinator, you know, slash senior assistant, you know, one of those type of positions. So I I think right after the Super Bowl, you'll start to see some of that stuff. Probably would have been nicer to see Hackett in that role and a different name in the offensive coordinator role, but I guess we can't all. Yeah, yeah, let's see how it shakes out. I mean, may, you know, maybe he's looking at someone on these Super Bowl teams. We still got a couple of uh, head coach openings. So the Dominoes, once the Colts, <laughs> if they ever hire anyone or the Cardinals, I mean, I think some of the other Dominoes will fall and then and then it'll happen pretty quickly. If the Colts hire Jeff Saturday, that will be Certainly something I want to kind of touch on last night. It was a pretty cool night for the Jets. Um, it's not often that since they've been doing the NFL Honors Awards, not sure we've really seen much of anybody from the Jets, let alone kind of in contention for anything. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the big four, which we'll get to. It was nice to see Quinn Williams and Sauce Gardner both finish in the top seven uh, for Defensive Player of the Year. That was pretty cool to see. I think if Sauce has three or four more interceptions, maybe that the one in Green Bay, New England, uh, stand just touchdowns. You know, instead of being yeah. overturned, I think maybe he's a, a guy that maybe is the top three or four finisher uh, for Quinn Williams obviously deserves all of the flowers and, you know, the way he played this year. Are you, was there anything last night? I know, obviously, you know, you cover some of the Hall of Fame stuff quite well. Is there anything last night you were surprised about? Uh, I think Garrett was probably the guy that most people worried about with the, you know, obviously the end of the year, the Jets didn't exactly throw the ball well, uh, kind of hurt his case. No, I thought Garrett, that was the closest one, obviously. I mean, there was no doubt that Sauce was going to win that. Uh, he deserved it, no question. Garrett, I, I I know Seattle fans were a little upset, you know, but I, considering what Garrett had to put up with, I mean, four quarterbacks, none of them played well. So to get 1,100 yards receiving, I thought was really, I mean, that's like the equivalent of like 1,500 yards receiving, like if you had a good quarterback. So I, I, I would have, maybe it's a New York bias, but I thought Garrett really deserved that. It was great to see. I think it was good for the Jets. Uh, obviously a brutal six weeks to end the season. You know, they've been getting dumped on a lot lately. And so I think it was really good for the Jets. I'm, I'm so happy for Joe Klecko. Uh, I've known Joe. I actually covered him like right at the end of his career, just when I was starting out as a cub reporter. And I was so intimidated of him because he, the, he, he was the guy when we were in the locker room and our time was up, he would yell, you know, media, get out, get out. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's Joe Klecko. I was like scampering out of the locker room. You know, he was so intimidating, but now it's like, we have a, a good friendship. And I, I talked to him, you know, several times over the last you know few weeks and yesterday. And I, I, I mean, I don't know if he even needed a plane to get to Arizona because he's been flying on cloud nine since uh, since he got that call a couple of weeks ago. And, and I'm really, really happy for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Joe. I think he's a guy that any Jets fan you talk to that's, um, you know, maybe the generation before mine, like their biggest gripe with anything in the NFL isn't the 86 roughing the passer or any of these things. It's like Joe Klecko not being the Hall of yeah. Fame to them drives them nuts. Uh, and obviously all pro at three different spots and, and all these different things. Just the one thing that stands out to me, I, I've never met him in person. His hands are massive. Like you, like yeah. he is just like these like, claws and you, you know, Joe Namath, I thought sounded great last night, actually. Now uh, he did an interview before, you know, reiterated that he'd like to see Rogers, uh, you know, where 12, yeah. that would be, yeah. that'll be an interesting discussion for two days. If we get there. Um, it was really cool to see Darrell Revis as well. It, you know, the emotion it's, it's been nice to see Darrell who, took a lot of time away from football. Um, I, you know, he mentioned some of the, the kind of, not, I don't want to say depression, but he mentioned some of the, the struggles he's had post-career 
and he seems just like so much more back into the jets. He's, you know, all in, he's on social media again now and doing a lot of different stuff. It was nice to see that raw emotion from him. And obviously, you know, being cousins with Jordan Whitehead and everything's cool, but hit Ty law, you know, jets, jets legend for that one year. Um, yeah. was, uh, was interesting. Wish they had a jet, you know, knock on the door, but that's a whole nother, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all discussion. There was a lot of debate on who they were going to get to do that one. Um, but yeah, they ended up with Ty. And I, I think, you know, obviously the connection from their hometowns and kind of a mentor to Darrell. So uh, that was really good. Darrell had a cool reaction. Um, I know when I spoke to him early yesterday, he he was, he, you know, he said like chills came over my body, you know, and, and so it was a cool moment. I love those knocks. I mean, the, the Hall of Fame really hit on that. Joe Namath you know, came up from Florida just for that, you know, they gave him a private jet. He came up, he knocked on Klecko's door and, you know, they had a few laughs. I, I know he went inside. They spent about an hour and a half, you know, just hanging out and laughing and stuff like that. And uh, that was really cool. And when I talked to Joe, he said the best thing about the hall of fame was having Joe Namath knock on his door. And so <laughs> I thought it was cool. They, they had actually ordered out for some food. So when they first heard the knock, he, he's thinking his food's arrived, but um, that's why he said that uh, when he opened the door, it's like, yeah, he's joined up for lunch. <laughs> Joe Namath came for lunch, but uh, yeah, it was awesome. It, it was great. I don't know who the next jet person is. Who's going to get in the hall of fame. We might have quite a, a gap here in some years before it happens again, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. I was going to say that's, that was going to be my next question. I, I don't, I think the closest would probably be one of the, one of the 2006 offensive linemen. I just, I don't know if they're going to get there. I think center's a tough spot and Mangold is really awesome. And I think he'll be the closest. I just, these classes are getting, it feels like, I mean, this was a really loaded class obviously. And, I don't know. I think Nick's going to be a guy. I think Nick will be a guy that gets to be a semifinalist, I think is is my just my gut feeling. I don't know that he'll ever get to the the final cut. I don't think the show was he was really stable and good for a long time. I don't think yeah. he was ever like, you know, even Tyron Smith level good where it's like he was the best guy premier tackle in the league. Nick Nick might be the the new Joe Klecko, you know, like a really really good player who who got a lot of accolades. I think Nick made pro bowl like he was all pro twice and you know, a few Pro Bowls in there. And, but you're right. It's a really hard position. I think there might only be six or seven centers in the Hall of Fame. Um, they limit it to five every year. There's a lot of flaws in the whole selection process. Don't get me started. It's a very politicized, flawed process that, you know, screws a lot of players like a Joe Klecko that it took so long. But thankfully, he got it when he's still alive. I feel so bad for, like, Winston Hill. You know, the guy should have been in so long ago. And they do it, you know, after he's died. And I know his daughters were loved it. They absolutely loved it. But Winston Hill uh, should have been recognized earlier. And so thank God that Joe will have a chance to enjoy it with his family. And uh, but, yeah, we might be waiting a little bit of a while. Am I uh, No, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's stuff they do that with baseball as well. It, it kind of it bugs me. I just feel like I know these people while they're alive. Um, anything can happen any day. You, you never want to. You want they're the ones who accomplish the stuff, right? You like to see them do it. My one, my last two, I have two last questions for you. One's a hypothetical. And there's a guy we talked about earlier. So CJ Mosley is going to be in his fifth year at the Jets upcoming. Obviously, uh -huh. I would expect he's probably a Jet another two or three years, maybe, you know, maybe two. Um, if the Jets win or get to, you know, let's say they get to a conference title game and CJ makes two more Pro Bowls, will he be remembered as a Jet or a Raven based on that? I feel like he'll have had more Pro Bowls as well, a Jet, technically. So, 
Well, you know, it's not like baseball, right? They don't have to pick a team to know. go into the whole, you know, so it's it's sort gotta, of like... You got to claim him as a fan, though, right? You got to know who's yeah, your guy. Well, he made four Pro Bowls with the Ravens. Uh, I know that's still a big part of his life from talking to CJ. I still, that's really kind of his formative. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, what, 31? Or is he, you know, yeah. so if the Jets were one won a Super Bowl with him, I think probably the Jets would be his team. But you got to get there first and... He's he's a really really good player. Uh, I don't know if I don't think he's on a Hall of Fame track right now. I think he would have to make a few more Pro Bowls and All Pro and probably get to a Super Bowl. But a really good player, you know, for the Jets and you know, obviously they wouldn't be fourth in the league on defense without him. Yeah. the The last question, obviously, Super Bowl upcoming on Sunday. Um, we're, I think we got really blessed with. I know that the NFC title game didn't work out the way everyone kind of expected with the, with the injuries. But I feel like we've got the four best teams, and now we probably got the two best teams in the Super Bowl. It doesn't always happen that way. We usually, there's sometimes that miracle run. Who do you like on Sunday, and um, how excited are you for such a? You know, this is a pretty incredible matchup. All the storylines. Yeah, really good matchup. They're dead even. It's a toss up. I've I've gone back and forth on this. Uh, I don't care who wins. I have no no allegiance either way. Like a week or so ago, I did a radio interview and I picked the Chiefs. Um, I am now picking the Eagles, uh, just to be totally transparent. Um, I, I just don't like the way the Chiefs injury report has been coming along this week. I mean, some of his receivers are banged up a little bit, and uh, Mahomes is banged up a little bit, and and so is Hurts a little bit with that left shoulder. I just think the Eagles are a more well-rounded team. I think they will have more answers for what the Chiefs can do to them Um I think they could run the ball better. I think they can rush four and get to Mahomes. And I think uh, their right tackle is a little bit of a weakness. The Chiefs, Wiley over there, and Hassan Reddick, and those guys could take advantage. So if they can get to him with four, which I think they can, that's a huge factor in their ability to to bracket Travis Kelsey because you got to do something with him because he'll catch 20 passes if you don't do something. So I think getting there in four is, is such a – and the Jets remind me of the Eagles. They're like a poor man's Eagles trying to rush with four, trying to be a physical team, running the ball. Um, obviously not even close in terms of quarterback play, but the Jets are kind of like patterned after that. So I'm, I'm going with the Eagles, you know. And again, I don't care who wins. I'm just hoping for a really good game. Yeah, I, I like the Chiefs close, and I, I strictly, I think, like them based off of just Patrick Mahomes. It's just like, it feels like one of those years where he's just everything, you know, the ankle, it looks like, oh, my God, he's going to be done. And of course, he comes back in the game. I felt like the, you know, the Bengals are going to win that game, and Chiefs still come out on top. You just, they've battled, they're battle-tested. They've been there. I think it's a huge, it does play a huge factor. Um, yeah. And the guys that have been there, and the Chiefs have been there a couple times now in a row, how you prepare, how you you handle the long halftime and the long TV yeah, timeouts. Yeah, that, that is stuff. a factor. Yeah, well, I guess the Eagles were there five years ago, right? And, you know, yeah, I don't know guys. how many guys. They, a few of the older guys are left, like the Jason Kelseys of the world. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be – it's so evenly matched. That's why I've been going back and forth on it. And Mahomes is such a magician that even on one bad leg, you know, he could do something spectacular and, and pull it out in the end. So I, even they could get outplayed most of the game. And then he gets the ball at the end and does something and they win the game. So, uh, which would be great from a fan point of view, but you know, I am going with the Eagles though. Uh, after much uh, flip-flopping, I am, I'm going with the Eagles. It's uh, it'll be a fun one, Rich. I appreciate you, uh, you taking some time. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we'll talk to you soon and, you know, have some quarterback stuff hopefully to talk about where there's actually a guy on the jets and not, uh, not speculation. 
Yeah, I'm going on vacation next week for about a week. So guaranteed something happens when I'm on vacation. So that, look for it in that window. Hey, Will, thanks so much for having me. Always a blast. Um, appreciate, you, you know, no one knows the Jets better than you do. And you're so passionate. So I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys uh, next week.